Welcome to Mary Say Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen. This podcast exists to help every married couple succeed in marriage. And we're talking today about the secrets of lifelong passion and intimacy. Those are the two big words in marriage that everybody wants to experience, passion and intimacy. We're going to be talking to you about how you can experience that. We First of all, there's going to go to a teaching here in just a few minutes. First of all, we're going to read some questions from you guys and answer them. And let me, me begin, Karen. Uh, this is a question. How can you express your love for your spouse and also satisfy your sexual needs if your husband refuses to engage in physical affection or sex? I'm ashamed that he won't be intimate with me. Gosh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. I would say definitely they need counseling because there's a huge blockage because most men, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. If if he is shut shut you off physically Mm -hmm. and sexually, big, big, big warning flag there. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, how can you meet your own needs? You really you really can't. I mean, not in a satisfying way long term is if your husband has shut you out like that, you got to get counseling. Mm -hmm. And we've got. Uh, here at Marriage Today, here at XO Marriage, we have marriage mediators. You can live in Timbuktu, but they can uh, help you via Zoom mm-hmm. uh, or by phone. We're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area here. So if you're in this area, reach out to us. Go on the website there and reach out to us. But but they can help you. You really do need counseling. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big deal. Uh, and you just can't live in that environment very long without problems, no. big problems. No. Yeah. Okay. My wife and I have been going through a healing process after she had an affair. It has been amazing to see God restoring our marriage, but sex is still awkward because of the infidelity. What can we do to rebuild our intimacy? It'll get better over time. It, it, now, there are good, great books out there uh, about you know sexual healing mm-hmm. and affairs and things like that. Uh, Chris and Cindy Beal, uh, some of our friends from Oklahoma City, wrote a great book on it. Um, the the sex will get better as time goes on. It, it when there has been an affair, the there's an awkwardness because there's a rebuilding of trust and there's a rebuilding of intimacy, and you really can't rush it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't need to take ten years, but it's not going to take ten days. Mm-hmm. And so just work at it every day, talk every day, pray every day. Forgive every day because mm-hmm. sometimes you may have already forgiven, but you have to go forgive again. But just as you build the rebuild the foundations of the intimacy and the trust, the sex the sex is going to reflect the mm-hmm. overall nature of the marriage. Well, I'm thinking that it's thoughts too, mm-hmm. because every time they're probably having sex, he's having thoughts. Sure, that he's, you know, and I think that you know you have a lot of good words about saying. You know, how do we take our thoughts captive and, right. you know, submitting those thoughts to the Lord and let the yeah. Lord heal mm-hmm. those things that have happened in the past, yeah. as well as give you thoughts that are re- can be replaced by what you imagine that your wife's done. You know, well, uh, an affair is a rejection. Mm-hmm. Very uh, much. When a person cheats on their spouse is really the deepest form of rejection and it creates a scar and those scars talk to mm-hmm. you, you know, just Absolutely. like you said. So. Taking your thoughts captive, replacing those thoughts with thoughts that are positive, according to the Word of God. I know that would be a huge, huge issue there. And we hope that that's helpful to you. We're going to go now to the teaching on the secret of lifelong passion and intimacy. We hope that this is a blessing to you. Unrealistic expectations set us up for failure in marriage. In Marriage on the Rock, Uh, There are several sessions in that, but especially the most important issue in marriage. If you want to go deeper in this point, it's in Marriage on the Rock. Okay, Two very common expectations that people have when they get married 
is this. You're going to make me happy, and you're going to meet my needs. Okay? And so we get married, and we think, I'm going to get married, and you're going to make me happy, and you're going to meet my needs. Well, the first is, is this. Your spouse cannot meet your deepest needs. Okay? You're, you have four needs in your life that only God can meet. Acceptance, identity, security and purpose and God meeting those needs in you is the basis of your happiness. I love Karen and I'm so happy with Karen, but I could be happy without Karen. Karen loves me and she's happy with me, but she could be happy without me because of Jesus. And if, if we say to another person, you're my life and I can't live without you, that is a codependent statement. And, and I love Karen. I don't want to live without Karen. But the point is, Jesus makes me happy, not other people. And if, if your happiness depends on people, then, then you're literally just at the, at the whim of how people are acting that particular day. Let me say this. In the midst of people who aren't doing what I want them to do, I can still be happy because of Jesus. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. He accepts me for who I am. I don't have to have whiter teeth and fresher breath or six-pack abs. You know, I have washboard abs. I just have a load of towels in right now. <laughs> They're so precious to me, I cover them with padding. And, but Jesus accepts me for who I am right now. So acceptance, identity. I, he made me in my mother's womb, and he knows my real name. Your real name you get when you go to heaven, you'll get a white stone with your real name on it. Because the name you have right now is not your real name. When God made you in your mother's womb, he gave you a name that nobody else has. And part of the beauty of knowing God is he knows who you really are. He knows why. He, no person can tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. So your sense of identity has to come from God if you're going to be whole and really live your life correctly. Security. Only God can make us truly secure. No army can make us truly secure. No medicine can make us truly secure. No weapon can make us truly secure. But the Spirit of God can make us truly secure. And purpose. I have a higher purpose for life than making a buck and spending it. I have a higher purpose of life than just going through another 24 hours of biological processes. I live for a king and a kingdom. And when I wake up every day, I do something that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. That's the purpose of my life. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Only God can meet those needs. And it's called the principle of transference. If I don't depend on God to meet those needs, I automatically transfer the expectation of that to my spouse. I depend on God to meet my deepest needs, and I depend on God to solve my biggest problems. And I'm not going to put that expectation on you. I have, my God is a big God, and I'm going to put faith in Him. Number two, inhibitor of intimacy is rejection of the inherent differences between us. And so when Karen and I got married, I just thought she's so weird because she's not like me. And we, we got in all these fights because we rejected each other's differences. You have different love needs. The men need, uh, the four major needs of a man, honor is number one, sex. Number two, friendship with his wife, wants to be buddies, and domestic support. Women are not at all like that. Not that they don't have any of those needs. Number one need of a woman is security. Number two is open and honest communication. Number three is soft, non-sexual affection. And number four is leadership, not being dominated. They want their husband to be the initiator of the well-being of the home. All four of our major needs are different. And so when your spouse is telling you what they need from you, you 
It's not anything that you need. It's not anything that you can relate to. The mega need of men is honor, and the mega need of women is security. They're almost complete opposites in that sense. And so if I'm going to be able to, to uh, be intimate with you, it means I have to come out of my world into your world. If you could meet your own needs, you wouldn't have married me. You can't meet your own needs. You're depending on me. And if I'm going to meet your needs, it means I need to listen. I need to listen to what you're saying, and I need to believe it when you tell me you're different. Uh, money, our money languages are typically different. Uh, I didn't know that there were different money languages. There are four different money languages, and Karen and I have different money languages, and one of the things we couldn't talk about early in our marriage was money. Money was a, was a, a toxic issue for us because we had so much, such different ways of looking at it. There are drivers. Some people see money. And to them, money just means success. It, money is a symbol of success. And they use it to buy houses and cars and symbols of success. To other people, their analytics, money is security. They like to save it. They like to stack it up. The more of it they have, the more secure they feel. They're amiables. And to an amiable, money means love. And that means we have money. We can get the family together, go on vacation, share it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're expressives. And to an expressive, money means acceptance. It means I can get into the right groups of people. I can, you know, get into the right social groups to do whatever, you know, I, I want to do with my life. Drivers, analytics, amiables, and expressives. Karen's an analytic. I'm an amiable. And so to Karen, money means security. And Karen is a fantastic money manager and a great saver of money. I'm an amiable, so to me, money means love. Money means, hey, let's have fun. Let's bless somebody. Let's whatever. And Karen's very generous, by the way. When we got married, we fought constantly about money. And she would call me a spendthrift, and I would call her a tightwad. <laughs> and when she called me a spendthrift, it drove me crazy. And I said, Karen, you're the type of person you're going to die with all your money in a mattress, and nobody will like you. <laughs> And she said, you won't even have a mattress. <laughs> so we're different. But let me say this. When we learned that we had a different money language and began to respect it, we make fantastic decisions together. Karen restrains me in making decisions and helps me to slow down. And I help her to have fun. And she's down here droning when I said that, because she's very fun. Everybody knows she's very fun. I'm talking about with money. <laughs> we have different giftings and talents and things like that. And so we just have a different way of seeing the world. Now, here's three types of differences in marriage. The number one is rejected differences. Roll your eyes. You're crazy. I told Karen, she used to tell me when we first got married, she would say something. I'd say, you're crazy. I just like, she's out of her mind. The second is tolerated differences. And that's <laughs> women. Can't live with them, can't live without them. You know, it's, it's not like I'm rejecting you, it's just like I'm judging you. You know, roll, roll your eyes. The third is celebrated differences. And that is, we're a team. Isn't it great that we don't have the same things in our lives? Isn't it great that God spread the giftings and talents and perspectives so together we make such a fantastic team? And when Karen and I got married, we rejected each other's differences. Today, we celebrated each other's differences. And so when you reject your spouse's differences, you, respect, you reject them. And the ethic that fixes this is respect. Respect. Two ways that I respect you. One is I'm not going to talk bad about you. I'm not going to shame you and put you down for being honest about who you are. When you tell me what your needs are, it doesn't mean everything in you is right. It just means it's you. 
And I'm not going to run you down. I'm not going to browbeat you. I'm not going to be sarcastic with you. In fact, I'm going to praise you. One of the key uh, leading, uh, the four indicators of divorce, the four predictors of divorce, number one predictor of divorce is negativity. When a negative tone sets up in your relationship, it is the most damaging thing that you can do to your relationship when you begin to pick on each other and begin to point out each other's faults. The, the number one thing you do to build your marriage is to praise your spouse. And when your spouse says something to you and, and you're, trying, you're, you're trying to get it, you're trying to process it, don't say, man, that's weird. Just, just say, wow, that's so special. I'm going to have to meditate on that. You know. <laughs> You're like on another level. I'm trying to get there. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. So, and I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to believe you. When you tell me, I need you to do this. This is, this is what I need you to do. I need you to do this. I'm going to believe you. See, for years, Karen, here's what I tell people when they come to see me for counseling. Your spouse has been trying to tell you for years what their needs are. You just haven't listened. Because we have this idea that if we marry our soulmate, they're just like us. We, you know, everything's just alike. That's not true. If you marry your perfect soulmate, you're very different people. You're not alike. And so you have to listen, and I'm going to respect you with my mouth, but I'm going to respect you with my mind. And when you're talking, and my eyes begin to cross, and I'm thinking, how in the world could anyone be this way? Rather than judging you and rejecting you, I'm going to believe you and believe that God made you that way. God made the, the inherent differences we have to respect. Let me go back to points one and two real quickly and say those two issues are why most people don't have intimacy in their marriage. The law of priority says, Genesis 2:24, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother. Marriage has to be first. It only works in first place in real terms. It has to come before your children. Your children are precious. Your marriage has to come before your children. It has to come before your work. It has to come before your friends. It has to come before anything else. Our marriage was healed when I hung my golf clubs up. And I stopped playing golf and I made my marriage first again. And so marriage has to be first. And there are two ways that we get distracted. One is the stresses of life. Okay, the stresses means children, work, busyness, things like that. And that's why traditions and disciplines are critical in our marriage because it's not what you can make happen, it's what you can keep happening. Do you have a date night every week? Do you have time alone? Do you have time to talk every day? Do, do you have disciplines and traditions that keep the right things happening? And they're inviolable. No one's getting this time. No one's getting this time. No one's getting this energy. My spouse deserves the best of my life, of my time, energy, everything in my life. And so I'm going to protect this for you. The stresses that come on us can cause us to become distracted. It's, and you can't be intimate with a person who's not paying attention. And they're, and they're not focused, okay? But the other one, the other type of distraction is me turning my heart away in response to frustration or pain. And this is the most dangerous one. Hebrews 13 says, marriage is honorable among, among, among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the context here is being frustrated with your spouse and beginning to covet other people's spouses. 
and other, other people. But by the way, when the Bible tells us not to covet, uh, in the Old Testament it says don't cover your, covet your neighbor's wife. Coveting, coveting is, is referenced to people. And what, the, what God is saying here is you may get frustrated with your spouse. I get frustrated with you. Your spouse may be imperfect. You're imperfect. But I've said to you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never physically leave you and I'll never turn your, my heart away. God has promised all of us, in spite of all of our issues, he will never turn his heart away from us. There'll never be a moment in your eternity that God will ever stop paying attention to you and caring about you. Is that good news, anybody? And, and, okay. So, affairs happen when you turn your heart away. Affairs begin on the inside. Karen and I were on Dennis Rainey's radio program um, years ago, and Dennis was interviewing us, um, and he was talking about the early days of our relationship, and Dennis said to Karen, um, when Jimmy was being such a jerk earlier in your marriage, were you ever tempted to have an affair? And, uh, and I was interested in the answer. I mean, I'd never, you know, I thought, well, okay, sister, get honest here. And uh, here's what Karen said. I wouldn't let my heart go there. And this is truth. And because of that, she was fighting for our marriage when I was being a jerk. The most... See, the most important thing in the ethic here is faithfulness. Not just on the outside, on the inside. I'm, I am going to be faithful to you, and when I'm frustrated at you, and when I'm angry, and when things are going bad, I'm not going to turn my heart away to my friends. I'm not going to turn my heart away to sports. I'm not going to turn my heart away to the children. I'm not going to turn my heart away to, to anything else not another person, in the worst days of our marriage, I'll keep my heart focused on you. Distraction is so dangerous, whether it's just the busyness of life keeping our marriage from being first or an offense that we've taken. And this is the reason that honesty is so important in our relationship. Don't turn your heart away. And if you've turned your heart away, you realize, see, Karen would say to me at different times in our marriage, your heart's not with me. And women intuitively know, you can be sitting right there next to them, but they intuitively know if your heart's not there. So you can't be intimate while you're distracted. Number four, in inhibitor is dominance. Now I wanna show you, dominance means a disproportionate control of a relationship. It means someone is more in control of the relationship than the other. And I wanna do my little poll here, and all the campuses, if, if everyone, all the campuses would respond to this. Now I want you to watch the hands, okay? How many of you grew up in a home where one of your parents was clearly dominant over the other parent. Raise your hand. Watch the hands. Watch the hands. Look around. Look around. Look around. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you believe that that had a negative impact upon their marriage and your family? Put your hands up. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Oh my gosh. Okay, put your hands down. 70%. 70 to 80% I've done this all over the world for many years. Every time I ask that question, that's the response that you get. Uh, research proves, secular research proves that shared control is one of the most important issues in a marriage. We are the only animals on earth that weren't designed to dominate each other. 
Human beings, there's no reference in Genesis 2 when God made man and woman, there's never a reference to one person dominating the other until the fall. And after the fall, there was a curse pronounced and Eve was told, you will desire to dominate your husband, but he will dominate you. It was a, it was a, a feature of the fall. We, we are supposed to interact and cooperate and make all of our decisions together and no one should dominate the relationship. Jesus Christ is Lord of our relationship and we don't dominate each other. And I was a dominant husband. This is what 1 Peter 3 says to husbands. Husbands likewise dwell with your wives with understanding. That means she's different than you and you need not to treat her the way you would any other man. She's a woman, you understand her. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Let me say, this is saying be, be gentle with your wife. Women are not weaker. Let me say right, that right there. Women can do anything. God made them a little physically weaker so they wouldn't take over the universe. And he had to make sure you wouldn't do it. So you're a little physically weaker, okay? As to the weaker vessel. And being heirs together of the grace of life. Listen, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Karen Evans is a fellow heir of the grace of life. In Jesus, there's neither male nor female, and she has as much rank in the kingdom of God as I have, and she has as much stock in the Evans family as I have. You can't, you can't be intimate with a person who's dominating you. You, you just can't do it. And so intimacy happens among equals, where, where we're respecting each other and loving each other. So the ethic of this is equality. We will, we will not punish each other for being honest, and I will not act alone without you. And Karen, I can't tell you, I mean, it's, this is out of respect. Uh, this, Karen's not being bad when she says this, but this is out of respect. A million times in our marriage, Karen will say, Jimmy, I trust you, you just do it. And a million times I've said, no. Until you come, I'm not going. I will not make that decision without you because I want to make sure that every single thing in our lives are a product of us and not a product of me by myself. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.